Welcome to this episode of the My Journey as a Physicist podcast. Each episode features an interview with a physicist to learn about their work, their interests outside of physics, and their professional journey of how they ended up where they are today. Season 2 features physicists involved in the particle physics planning community known as SNOMASS. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome, Kativi. Could you briefly introduce yourself? What is your current job? My name is uh, Kativi Asamagan. I am a physicist at uh, Brookhaven National Laboratory. I do research in experimental particle physics uh, at last experiment. Okay. And can you can't go into detail of like what your actual projects are, where the questions that you're attempting to answer? Yes. Uh, my focus has been searching for new physics beyond the standard model of particle physics, specifically trying to understand if there is a new sector of particles that call dark sector states where one of these could be candidate for dark matter. So I do research in that direction to try to see whether we can find signal for this dark sector state. Okay. And do you do more experimental work or theoretical work? I am an experimentalist. Currently, I've been focusing on uh, doing uh, physics analysis within, within our group. And then can you kind of describe what sort of your research team looks like? Like what does collaborations and your type of work look like? Um, so I am a part of the Atlas collaboration, which is very, very large international collaboration, 3,000 collaborators from various uh, institutes around the world within um, our group. At BNL, we have other colleagues who are focusing on many different projects and such as uh, detectors of various aspects within the group. Myself, I work with uh, two postdocs within our group and uh, another colleague. And also we have a strong collaboration with uh, African Institute in Atlas from Morocco and also from South Africa where I serve as a co-advisor, co-advisor on the PhD thesis, and I work closely with them. So Brookhaven has been working quite strongly for institutes in Africa as a part of the Atlas collaboration, and I am um, a part of uh, that type of team. Yeah, so that's basically, you know, the structure. Our small collaboration focuses on you know, dark sector states and such is looking for Higgs for invisible and looking for other dark sector particles. And, and, and that's a collaboration between Brookhaven, Morocco and, and, and South Africa within US Atlas and within Atlas. Very interesting. You had mentioned earlier that you do a lot of, you're, you're experimentalist and do experimental work. What does that sort of look like? What does a typical day-to-day look like? Are you actually building things? Are you doing data analysis? Like what does you know a typical day of work look for you? Yeah. So currently my focus has been on, on data analysis, uh, which uh, means that um, we have a lot of discussion, our postdocs and, and our students uh, on progress, various aspects of the analysis. Uh, so we take it from, you know, the understanding the data all the way to publication of the review of the paper going through a full Atlas review of the analysis and integrating comments from our Atlas collaborators. That's basically what it is. In the past, I've done a lot of software developments for for Atlas collaboration, uh, physics analysis tools developments, and and I did uh, also uh, some hardware on the cathode strip chambers for the Atlas uh, mean spectrometer and that sort of things. But right now, my primary focus has been this uh, working on physics analysis 
In addition to that, I do a lot of physics outreach, physics communication. I run the African School of Physics, uh, which is a school that happens in Africa with a primary focus to try to develop capacity in fundamental research and application for African students. Can you describe a little bit of that that institution and what your involvement is with it? Yeah, so on the African School of Physics, it's it's a school that uh, started in 2010. And the way it works is that uh, we raise funds, um, so a few people, uh, we raise raise funds and then we organize the school in different countries uh, in Africa. And uh, countries that are interested in hosting the school, they submit a bid. We evaluate the proposal and, and select the countries. And then we, we launch an application process and we select uh, students and we identify potential lecturers and we define uh, the, the, pro- the, the scientific program. So it's been going on for over 10 years now and it has happened in various African countries and the next school will be in South Africa at the end of November. Uh, we have had a lot of success uh, with the school. Uh, many African alumni uh, uh, have come through the, through uh, the, the the African School of Physics, and uh, many of them have gone to Atlas uh, and gotten PhDs, and some have moved on to other areas. Uh, so I think we are helping developing capacity in Africa with uh, with uh, with that school, and and we get support from various institutions. Uh, uh, including my own institution, Brookhaven uh, National Lab, the Department of Energy, the ICTP, and so forth. That's a, that's a really amazing program. That's really great to, to hear about and learn about. Yes, uh, thank you. You also mentioned that you're also heavily involved with other science outreach or public engagement. Can you can't describe what your efforts there look like? Yes, so I I am also involved in uh, QuackNet. I am the QuackNet uh, contact person at Brookhaven where we participate in international masterclasses and we do workshop for high school teachers' uh, development in, in, in trying to help them uh, prepare physics instruction and deliver physics instruction better to, to, to their students. And I have, I have been serving currently also as a convener of U.S. Atlas uh, Education and Public Outreach and one of the things that we have been trying to do um, in that scope at the moment is how do we do outreach effectively to minority-serving institutions and underrepresented uh, communities. So we have been thinking about how to improve our outreach scope to make sure that uh, it is inclusive of all the communities and we are having a better reach to underserved communities. And, and I, have, I am currently involved in SNOMAS, where I am one of the conveners of the community engagement frontiers of, of SNOMAS. And that has uh, seven topical groups that uh, we are working with, uh, which includes application and, and industry of uh, high energy physics and now career uh, pipeline development uh, and diversity, equity, and inclusion, so physics education, public outreach, government engagement, and environmental and societal impacts. So all the issues in, in, in these uh, areas are discussed uh, within the community engagement frontiers. Uh, so we 
uh, at the level right now of uh, finalizing topical group reports and we'll be working on our frontier reports and we'll participate in the community summer study uh, which uh, will happen in July at the University of Washington in Seattle. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. And then you said, like, you said that you do the teacher workshops, but you do other forms of community engagement with these, these other communities. Can you describe what those can, efforts or collaborations with those communities sort of look like? Yeah. So um, the question that we want to address is how can our outreach efforts, efforts will be more impactful with respect to underrepresented uh, minorities and minority-serving communities. So the way we're trying to proceed is by working with minority-serving institutes like HBCUs, uh, historically Black community and universities. And working with them means that we listen to what they need, right? We try to understand what are their interests. So it's not like we come in with uh, what we believe should be outreach and then we are lecturing them about, about what our interest is, which, we, which we, we believe is not that effective. So it's more now like a partnership with these institutes to try to understand the needs. What do they want to see in the program? They participate also in the program and in organizing the scientific aspect of the program. And that way, it's a mutual interest, uh, shared interest, and we hope in doing so, we are able to attract more of, you know, the underrepresented minorities to the program, and therefore we are doing outreach better. So that's the scope in which we are evolving right now, and we've had some success with that uh, since here, when we started rethinking our outreach effort uh, in that direction. And uh, we also had another event earlier this year in February with the North Carolina A&T University, which is one of the HBCUs. And then we expect another event uh, in the fall of this year, which again will be in part- partnership with Minority Serving Institute. And what has your your participation and involvement in these spaces to you? Yeah, it's well, you know, personally, I'm in the category of underrepresented minorities. And if you look at it in the context of physics, yeah, it's not a whole lot of us presented in high level physics engagement where I am. So it's extremely important for me to do something about that. And so that's trust in which uh, I am working both within our country here in the United States and and, and in Africa where, you know, is uh, my origin. But I want to specify that it's not work that should be on our shoulder. We who are minorities already in the field, it's not should be expected as us who should be doing that work. So hope that uh, more people in our community will take uh, community engagement very seriously and integrate that in the scope of their research and understand you know, very well uh, how to do outreach to uh, underserved communities and how to do it better so that it's impactful to those communities. Uh, and, and I really expect my colleagues who are not underrepresented to really come to table and, and get involved and, and get engaged and, and learn how to do these things better so that we can improve diversity in our field, can improve uh, inclusions, and we, we can improve participation of all communities in the, in, in, the, in the work that we do. That's fantastic work that you're doing. So 
how did you get involved in physics? Like, what got you interested in physics in the first place? Yeah, so I was I was born in 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 Africa, and I did uh, my undergraduate in Togo, in West Africa, before I came to the U.S. for 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 a master's degree in physics. I uh, so I. I started, you know, having an interest in physics in, in high school uh, because in that system where, where I came from, in high school already you have to declare your major. Your major. The student uh, has to declare a major and there were few options uh, available. So it, it's, uh, it's either literature and philosophy or it's natural sciences like biology and, and geography and stuff like that. Then there is mathematics and physics. Um, so those were really the, and, and once you select, a, you select a, a major, it completely determines, you know, your future evolution, even at the, at the university. It becomes extremely hard to change because courses are tailored to the different major. You, you take everything, but your major is, uh, weigh heavily in whether you're going to pass on or not. And the study, the material that's presented to you is more involved according to the major that you have declared. So I chose uh, physics at the time because I was not good in, 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 in literature, in the literary areas. And I had uh, demonstrated some ability in mathematics. So I went into the area where I felt more comfortable and I've been there ever since. That's essentially how I got involved. And then what about your particular subfield did you get interested? Like, why did you end up, you know, working in like this particle physics or like in the Atlas project? Like what about this subfield of physics, you know, stood out to you? Yeah, when I first came to the United States, I came for a master's, a master's degree. I had a scholarship for that. And and now I was interested in doing, you know, material physics or direct applications in Africa, for example, uh, photovoltaics, uh, solar cells for using, you know, cheap electricity, uh, using solar panels. So that's what I was uh, interested in. But after my master's, my scholarship ran, ran out and and I had gotten a fellowship to continue with the PhD, but my professor at the time was doing a nuclear physics experiment at Paul Scherer Institute in Switzerland. So to work on his team, I had to switch. So, so I migrated to nuclear physics. So, well, more or less medium energy between nuclear and, and high energy physics. And I was at the time studying the rare decay of uh, the charge pion, uh, one of the rare decay of the charge pion, pion beta decay. You know, so I, I did that for my PhD. But then the question becomes uh, after, after the PhD, you know, the, finding the postdoc and so forth. And, and I switch again there, depending, you know, driven by money essentially. So. That's how I got to Atlas. So I was sent to, to Geneva and, and, and I stayed there for, for uh, I think, uh, so a total of six, six years. Um, yeah, maybe less. Uh, so, yeah, I think, I think three years I, I, I was there and then I went back again for another two years. So, you know, it was driven by constraints of, of, of resources, of financial resources and I tend to migrate to the areas where I found opportunities. So then when I got to, to, to Atlas, I started, uh, in addition to hardware activities, I started physics activities already beyond the standard model sector. And so when I came to Brookhaven, we have some theory groups as well who are looking at, you know, dark sector states so here. The idea is to see whether they can explain uh, the uh, what we call G minus two discrepancy between theory and experiment, 
and perhaps some dark sector models explain that discrepancy with new physics. And so I started collaborating with some of our theories at Bookhaven, and, and that's where my interests also shift to the point where right now I am particularly focusing on searching for dark sector state. Fascinating, fascinating. Thank you for sharing. If you feel comfortable sharing, what obstacles did you have to overcome along the way in your career as a physicist? Yeah, so I... I went through a lot of uh, a lot of trouble. I think many people like me underrepresented perhaps my share similar stories uh, and so forth. Um, not necessarily the same, but still with uh, troubles along the way. I uh, I don't come from a rich family. I come from a, uh, you know, a poor family. My mother did not go to school. She couldn't read and write. Father was an auto mechanic and he only got, you know, primary school uh, education. So, and I have uh, eight, eight siblings, so slight family and, and I am the first one. Uh, so uh, when I, when I finished my bachelor's degree, I didn't have any opportunity to go anywhere. I was essentially stuck, right? You know, and, so, and that is the terminal degree at the university in physics in, in Togo at the time. Right? So either you get out of the country to continue or or you, you have to go teach in the high school. So I ended up teaching in high school for two years in Togo. I was lucky because the, the principal of the high school was also the minister of technical education in the country and the head of the physics department knew him and he knew me as a young, a young, a young uh, student and the, the chair of the physics department uh, talked to the minister and I remember he, you know, what I heard later was uh, that he told him that they shouldn't keep his kids in a terminal teaching job. The minister decided to find me a scholarship to the United States. He himself has been at the University of Arizona. He got a PhD in the U.S. and went back. So he knew the U.S. very well. So I was 22 when I started teaching in a high school. And the people I was teaching were just a few years younger than me. And my uh, colleagues who were also teachers were more of my father's generation. So it was a really weird position to be in uh, teaching uh, at the time. But, you know, luckily the minister did find me a scholarship and it was a scholarship offered by the U.S. Agency for International Development administered by the African-American Institute, uh, which is located in New York. So that's how I got out of Togo. It was really by luck. These folks, the minister and the, the head of the physics department at the university, they didn't know me personally. I wasn't related to them. They didn't have to help me. If you don't have good connection in the country at the time, you just don't get anything. You may be the best, which I was in all my years at the university. But when I finished uh, with the bachelor's degree, I had no opportunities. And people who were not as good because they had connection, they got scholarship and they all landed in France. And I had to you know, stay in the country for two years uh, trying to look for something. So it, it was not very easy. So that was really tough. And when I came to the U.S., it was only for, master's degree I was supposed to go back so I so I taught for two years I was 24 when I got to the U.S. and I did master's for two years so I was already old when I got into a PhD program and even then I didn't have a scholarship I really had to find opportunities myself and so I got a fellowship at the University of Virginia to start the PhD program so yeah so that's basically how things started getting easier when I got to PhD program and so forth, and then I did postdoc. But me getting out of Togo 
was really by sheer luck. And I, I am grateful to those two gentlemen, the head of the physics department and, and the, the minister of technical education who decided that it is worth investing in me to go higher in my education. And that is the primary reason why I invest now in African students through the African School of Physics and all the activities that I do in Africa to promote physics education there. Thank you for sharing your story. That's really, really powerful to hear. Sort of wrapping up a little bit. So like on this note, like what kind of advice do you have for students or young researchers can in the early stages of their physics career? Yeah, I think um, what I would say is uh, dedication uh, is, is, is very important. It's very easy to complain, but life is definitely not easy. So one has to persevere and uh, look, look for opportunities and, and, and engage other folks uh, who are in the fields, has, you know, have a proper understanding of where you want to be and, and so forth. And I think it's important for us who are now in senior position to give a proper message to the young folks. Our field, for example, cannot absorb all the people who are getting PhD and who are doing postdocs. Some of them have to go out because the limited amount of jobs. But are we preparing the folks to really go into different fields where they, you know, they can certainly su succeed? Are we giving them the right mes message? Yeah, so, and also for the students, are they asking the right questions? Uh, yeah, so that's why I would advise people who are coming next generation for us to really understand where they want to be and try to ask the senior folks and, and do their own research about how to get there. And, and really perseverance is, uh, is very important. I, <laughs> you know, I, I applied for many, many jobs before I got into Brookhaven. I could have gotten discouraged at one point or the other. It's, you know, so I think dedication and, and perseverance and this is very important. Well, thank you for taking the time to to talk with me and to share your story as a, as a physicist. It's really great to hear about all the great work that you're doing. Thank you for joining. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. This podcast was created by Brian Stanley and Professor Wei Wen Lin. Season two was edited by Varnali Sakorikar. Thank you for listening.